Hey everyone, welcome to Go To Wolf Radio, it's Jared Scarlato. Today, we're going to have an episode like one of our old original episodes. If you've listened to this podcast since its inception in January of this year, we, I used to do sequences of episodes. I would do two or three episodes as a series on a particular topic, and I'd go pretty in-depth on the science and biology and anatomy and neurology behind why the topic is. The topic might be on willpower or motivation or digestion or calories or movement or exercise, anything along those lines. And so we haven't had one of those in a while, so I figured we'd go ahead and step back into that today. Now, today won't be as in-depth as some of the previous episodes might be, but we will be talking some scientific-y kind of words, so be prepared for some of those. The topic itself, I think, will pique your interest very much, especially the scientific wherewithal with why it is the way that it is and how it happens. Courage is what we're going to be talking about. So if you listen to the previous episode, we talked about five lessons learned from the Tough Mudder and from training for eight weeks for the Tough Mudder with a group of 47 people. You get to learn a lot when you're around 47 people, both through training and at a Tough Mudder. And especially since then, now by the time you see this, the Tough Mudder will have been a couple weeks ago. But as we're recording this, the Tough Mudder was still only five days ago. And every time I see somebody who I haven't seen since the Tough Mudder, we talk about it and we talk about what they thought and we talk about how they're feeling and we talk about what they learned and we talked about things they had to overcome. So I've had a lot of conversation and time to reflect and still lots of thinking and, and gathering of ideas together. And courage is just one thing that keeps popping up. It just, it just keeps showing up. Everybody says it in kind of a different way, but Every time you do, you go to an obstacle in the Tough Mudder, you have to decide whether or not to do it, and then you have to decide how hard you're going to attack it. And that's why doing something like the Tough Mudder is so useful when it comes to building courage, building belief in yourself. Now, it doesn't have to be a Tough Mudder. Of course, you can do 5Ks and 10Ks and marathons. But those are just running. And not that running is, is easy. If you haven't done anything for a long time, running, of course, can be courageous in and of itself. Signing up for a 5K can be courageous because you have to overcome the fear of thinking about doing the thing and then actually showing up and doing it and performing requires courage. So those in and of themselves, can also require courage. However, with a Tough Mudder or a Spartan race or any other obstacle race, not only is courage required to sign up, courage is also required every time you're confronted with an obstacle. At the Tough Mudder, there are 20 of them. So every time you come to an obstacle, you got to muster up the courage to go and get it. Now, sometimes it's not as much if it looks, you know, Physically, if you're like, hey, I don't think this will be a problem, and it's not necessarily something that you're scared of, you know, like something that has to do with heights or something that has to do with being in the dark, then maybe it's not as much. However, like for me, 
The one obstacle called the Mutterhorn, it's a 40-foot A-frame with cargo nets on it that you climb up and then climb down. I'm not a fan of heights. So that requires a little more courage for me to overcome. On the other end of that, there's obstacles like, I don't know, the Muddy Mile. The Muddy Mile at the Tough Mudder, they're basically probably 10 foot, maybe not that far, maybe six, seven foot deep mud pits. You climb down into it, and then you have to climb up out of it. And then you climb down into another one, and then up out of that one, and then down into another one, and then up out of that one, and then down into another one, and then up out of that one. Hence, it feels like it's a mile long because you have to do a bunch of them. And they're muddy, and they're full of water, watery, muddy nonsense, and you've got to go down into them, and then you got to either let someone help you pull you back out or get yourself back out somehow. That, for me, I mean, I'm not saying that it's easy per se, but it's not something that requires courage because I'm not scared of, I'm not a big fan of being dirty, to be totally honest, but um, I'm not scared of it per se. And going up and down a couple of mountains of mud isn't exactly scary. So you're not conjuring up the same level of courage every time you tap an obstacle, but nonetheless, it still requires some level of you having to think to overcome some barrier in front of you. So that's why signing up for something like that can be very helpful. It's also important to realize that courage isn't something that you have to have. Let me, yeah, courage isn't something that you only have whenever you maybe are in the military or if you're overcoming cancer or if you're overcoming some other, you know, circumstances like that that are potentially life-threatening or very impactful. Those aren't the only circumstances that require courage. Courage is required day to day, sometimes moment to moment. So it's not something that you either just have or don't have. It's not something that you need just for big things and not for small things. It's something that you need regularly. Now, like I said, there's different levels of it that you need. It's not like you have to have all of this courage to, I don't know, grab your running shoes and walk out the door, go for a run. But you do need to have some level of courage if you haven't done it for a long time. So that's why we're talking about courage. That's why this particular uh, episode is going to be a little more in-depth on where courage comes from and how you build it so that you can understand that it's not about having it or not having it. It's not about you being a courageous person or not. It's about if you've used it effectively, if you've used it lately, and if you use it often enough. So, what is courage? Uh, My favorite definition of courage that I have found is the state or quality of mind or spirit that enables one to face danger, fear, or vicissitudes with self-possession, confidence, and resolution. So, we understand that courage is bravery. Courage is bravery in the face of fear. It is going at things that uh, that scare you. We understand that. Where then does courage come from? And here's where we start to understand that courage is not something that you just have or don't have. It's why it's important to ask yourself, how often do I do courageous things? How often do I do big courageous things or small courageous things? 
How often do I think courageously at all? How often do I think of myself as being courageous? How often do I think the things that I have done are courageous? So when it comes to courage, it is primarily regulated by two structures in the brain. Now, these aren't the only structures that are utilized, of course. Understand, I am not a neurologist. I did not study this in school. I do have a pretty strong understanding, basic, basic, admittedly, understanding of neurology and anatomy and all of those things. So when I talk about this, this isn't a full in-depth explanation. So if you are a person that understands this more, you're welcome to help us understand it more in the comments. Anyway, two basic structures in the brain where courage shows itself. Uh, first, it is activated in an area of the brain called the nucleus reunions. This is a small area of the thalamus. The thalamus is toward the center of the brain. So if I go like this at my ears and my fingers were able to come together at the center, that's about where the thalamus would be. And the nucleus reunions is a small portion of that, of the thalamus, in what's called the ventral midline thalamus. Ventral means bottom, midline means toward the middle, and thalamus is the structure. So this part of the thalamus, the nucleus reunions, is used in spatial working memory. So that means, like, as you are in a space, it is helping you kind of remember where you are and remember where things are around you. It helps with attention. It helps with behavioral flexibility. So if you need to change your behavior based on previous circumstances or previous outcomes, if you're literally in the thick of things and you need to change your behavior because you are having trouble overcoming this obstacle, it helps with that. It also helps with fear behaviors, helps you be able to step into fears or potentially step away from them. The nucleus reunions then talks with the medial prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is something we have definitely talked about a lot. Um, it is this thing toward the front of your brain, prefrontal meaning the interior or front part of the frontal lobe, if you will. The lobe is the literal like squishy part of your brain and then Prefrontal is the anterior or the front part of it. Uh, so medial, middle, prefrontal cortex is used in associations between the context and um, learning between the context and the situation that you're in. So if you're in a certain situation and you're gathering all of the context around you, your prefrontal cortex helps kind of learn that situation. Um, it also helps with corresponding physical and emotional responses. So whenever you are confronted with an obstacle, a physical response obviously is, if it's a physical obstacle, is climbing over it. But more importantly, when it comes to the free prefrontal cortex is the emotional response. And when it comes to building courage, it is the emotional response. So when you're confronted with an obstacle, do you move toward the thing or do you step away from the thing? So that's what the prefrontal cortex does. It actually puts the thing into action, if you will, or coordinates the action or 
the, the emotional action and the physical action. So between those two, the nucleus reunions, which when it's activated, it sends the signal to the medial prefrontal cortex, which then puts you into action toward overcoming the threat. That connection between the two is in, in an internal state that is a positive rewarding connection. So when you do that, when you overcome a threat, the internal state that you feel is rewarding. It is positive. It is something that your body takes as a bonus to you, as a plus, as a reward. So one more time, the nucleus reunions activates it talks to the medial prefrontal cortex, which, which then tells you what to do, which then puts you into action. And again, that is physical action or that is emotional action. When we're talking about courage, we're talking about building the courage or arousing you to want to overcome the threat. So the question is, how do we actually activate the nucleus Reunions. It, if it's required, required is maybe a strong word, but if the nucleus reunions is what activates the medial, is what needs to be activated to talk to the medial prefrontal cortex to get us to build courage, how do we do that? How do we make sure that that part of our brain is activated? It's not something that we can just poke and wake it up. It's not something that we can get a, a um, electrode and shock it and wake it up. It's something that we have to train to wake up. So in a previous series called The Importance of Showing Up, we talked about habits, how to build habits, how it, we talked about the neurology of building habits. And there are two basic structures utilized in building habits. Again, it's more than these two, but these are the two primary structures that we'll talk about. One is the basal ganglia. And the other one is the prefrontal cortex, which we just talked about, moves us into growth or helps us get aroused so that we move toward an obstacle. We build the courage to move toward an obstacle. The basal ganglia, though, has two pathways to help us build a habit. The first pathway, so these pathways are kind of in sequence. You, start, you sort of start with the first one and then hopefully, hopefully, you move into the second one. The first pathway is the associative pathway. So this pathway collects information to help you achieve a goal, but it doesn't put that information in any real structure for the time being. All it's doing is just looking and gathering and looking and gathering and looking and gathering. It's not structured, it's not, it's not really understanding how it's going to be used yet, but you're, you're associating that information with how you can complete your goal. When you do this often enough, you do it regularly enough, over time, you move into the second pathway, which is the automatic pathway. During the automatic pathway, you take all of that information that you just gathered and you bundle it up to create the behaviors and the actions that you need to take to continue to move toward your goal. Those are habits. Courage is just a habit. Courage 
is just a thing that you need to do regularly so that it becomes the thing that you just do whenever you are confronted with a threat. If right now you have a hard time doing that, it's only because you haven't done it regularly. It's because your associative pathway is not making the necessary connections to get you to bundle them up to make them into a behavior. And that's partly because you're not doing it. If you're not doing it, then that, uh, you're just not going to be able to do it. There's a saying that's often overused, but that is very useful in this context. If you don't use it, you lose it. So when it comes to courage, if you don't use courage, you will lose courage. And here's how. So the way that the basal ganglia shifts from the associative pathway to the automatic pathway, in other words, takes all of that stuff, all that information it's collecting, and gathers it and puts it together and bundles it into an action, into a behavior, is through, a, is through neuroplasticity, which is through a process called myelination. So neuroplasticity, excuse me, neuroplasticity is just the changing of your nervous system. It's literally just the adaptation of your nervous system. Different connections, different neurons talking to each other, creating different pathways. Myelination is kind of how that happens. So myelin is a fatty substance that goes over neuron, neurological pathways. It literally helps to coat, if you will, neurological pathways. And myelination, the process of coating that pathway, happens when you perform an action or perform a thought or perform a behavior. So when I reach and grab this cup and pick it up and take a drink and put it back down, a neurological pathway is required for that to happen. If I do it once, myelin is laid down. You can think of it as a layer of paint. One layer laid down. If I do it again, there goes another layer of paint. And then I do it again, and there goes another layer of paint. So every time I do it, more myelin is being laid down. And the more myelin that is laid down, the more effective and efficient that behavior becomes. I've picked up a cup of water so many times in my life, I don't have to think about it. I can reach and grab it and bring it right to my mouth most of the time and set it back down. Courage is the same exact thing. When you are confronted with a threat and you step forward to the threat, myelin is laid down. A coat of pain is laid down. When you do it again, another coat is laid down. In the beginning, because that coat of paint is not very thick, it's hard to do. You step forward and you go, ah, man, I'm pretty freaking scared. By the 10th time, enough paint is laid down on that neurological pathway that 
it's still hard, but you, it's just, oh, okay, well, this is a little scary, but I, I'm, I've done this before, so I'm going to go ahead and step forward and do it. So literally what's happening is as you're performing the habit of courage, as you're stepping forward into growth, as you're overcoming those fears and threats, what's happening is that myelin sheath is getting thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. And the thicker that that myelin sheath gets, the faster that that connection moves and the less likely that the signal will get lost. Literally, you're building a super highway, if you will, of neurological pathways by doing it more often. By allowing the pathway to flow more effectively. When you don't do it, on the other hand, hence going back to the beginning of this, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use the pathway, then the connection doesn't flow. The connection doesn't connect, if you will. That connection to the nucleus reunions to activate it isn't there. So when I reach for my cup to take a drink, long pause, then <laughs> the, <laughs> I lost my train of thought, the connection reinforces itself. But if I didn't reach for a cup of water for years, which I'd be dead by then, then it would, that pathway would deteriorate. So that's what I mean by if you don't use it, you lose it. Literally, if you are confronted with an obstacle or a threat, and, and again, an obstacle or a threat doesn't have to be a person with a knife or a mountain that you have to climb over. It can be something basic like a conversation with a person that's uncomfortable. When you're confronted with that, excuse me, and you choose not to do it, you're myelin myelinating that pathway, the don't do pathway. And you are not connecting the do pathway. So when you do that often enough, it's the don't do pathway that the connection is fast. Don't do. Threat. No. Threat. No. The more often you do that, the more that connection gets layered. So you have two things fighting against you. Number one, the courage pathway has little myelin on it. Therefore, the connection is weak. And the non-courageous pathway has a lot of myelin on it. And therefore, the connection is strong. So you have to shift from the non-courageous pathway toward the courage pathway by making decisions moment to moment. And the more often you do that, the thicker that paint gets on the courage pathway and the weaker that paint gets on the non-courageous pathway. And that's all that this is, is literally a neurological pathway that when you do it often enough, quite literally, quite literally, the insulation gets so thick that it just becomes what you do. That's all that it is.
That's all. It's not you. It's the behavior. It's the regular replication of the behavior. That's all that it is. And so building courage is not about just doing big things. Yes, big things are going to be important because you're going to have to overcome big obstacles on your journey. It's just the way that it is. But it is actually doing the small things on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, week-to-week, month-to-month basis that's going to help build that courage over time, build the bravery over time. And you can't think of it as this big, courageous act necessarily. It could be just a small act that seems insignificant, but it can be big toward building a better version of yourself. One way that you can build courage, we talked about during the five lessons of from the Tough Mudder in the last episode, is, for instance, asking somebody if they need help. That takes courage because someone can reject you and rejection doesn't feel good. So asking somebody if they need help can be courageous. So can asking for help. Because again, number one, it's kind of you admitting that you're not smart enough to do it, which hurts. And on the other hand, someone can reject you, which also hurts. So it takes a little bit of courage to ask for help. Don't overlook that. Don't overlook that. You can do small, courageous things also throughout the day. Overcoming the temptation of having cake. Overcoming the temptation of going out with friends. Takes courage. All your friends are going, come on, let's go drink. And you're like, no, I don't think so. Takes courage to say no takes courage. So don't overlook, don't, don't convince yourself into believing that it has to be these big, that, that you have to sign up for a tough mutter in order to build courage. You can do it every day. You can do it moment to moment. You can do it by helping others. You can do it by finding help yourself. You can do it regularly. You just have to choose to do it. And remember, the more you step forward into growth, the more regularly You'll do it. The more habitual it becomes, the more that becomes the thing that you do instead of stepping back into safety. When you step forward into growth more often, it just becomes the response. It just becomes what you do. The more often you do that, the more you move toward that person that you're trying to become, whatever that is for you. Whatever that is for you. So remember, and this, this part is, is super important. You are not you are not the thing. You're not either courageous or not. It's not about you. It's your habits. It's your behaviors that you're angry about. It's your behaviors that you are looking down on, if you will. Oh, I'm not a courageous person. It's not you. It has nothing to do with you. It's just the behavior. You currently are not behaving courageously. That's all. So if you can shift your mindset about that and start to understand that it is just about what you're doing right now, then you can start to become a different person, i.e. the person who is courageous. And that's how you shift your identity. When you attach to, I'm not a courageous person, 
or I'm not a person that works out, or I'm not a person that helps others, whatever. That is your identity, especially if you're telling yourself that. But when you understand that it is just the behavior that you currently are doing, and that you can choose to do something different, but that it's going to take time, effort, persistence, then you can start to actually make some change in your life. Then you can actually start to make a shift. But you have to just keep going. You have to just keep choosing to do it. Because the more often you do it, the more that you're layering onto that pathway, that go pathway, and you're moving away from that no-go pathway. Okay, that's all I got. That's all I got. Go out and find yourself something courageous to do today. Go lend a helping hand to somebody. Let someone help you. Go out and sign up for something that scares you a little bit and then start training to, to attack it. Start training to perform your best at it. You, you build courage by seeking it out. You don't build it by sitting and waiting. You build it by going and doing and finding and taking action and seeking. That's how you build courage. It takes moment-to-moment decision-making, day-to-day, week-to-week, and that'll get you to that year-long, three-year-long, five-year-long goal that you're after. Make sure that you share this with your friends as well. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button if you have not already. And until next time, my friends, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.